0: What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by Solar Juice. Well hello solar friends and welcome back to yet another episode of Great Solar Business. This week we're going to explore more secrets, so many secrets to explore of how to build a great solar business in 2022. With the Smart Energy Council conference behind us but more events looming quickly, I thought it would be worth diving into how to get the most out of trade shows. Whether you're planning a huge booth in an exhibition or a retailer, just doing home shows and shopping centres, there's a bit of science that you can apply to make sure you're maximising your sales potential at these events. After chatting about this recently, I invited Grant Berendorf on to discuss some of the tricks that he's learned along the way. Grant, welcome to Great Solar Business. G'day, Nigel. Terrific to be here, mate. Well, you say that now, but, you know, just (laughs) let's see how things go, mate. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) Mate, it's, uh, it's been a million years, uh, it feels like, since we first met. I, I recall that you jammed me into the back seat of a Cessna with several very large men and a sandwich and a drink and flew me to a remote Aboriginal community. And then a few years later, we were standing in Alice Springs, shoulder to shoulder with then Environment Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, you've done a bunch of amazing since, things since then. Um, give us your 60-second story, mate. Where Where have you come from and where are you at?
1: 60 seconds. All right, mate. Well, look, at the end of the day, as you know, I'm just a simple Sparky. Um, I did my trade in the mid 80s with what's now Ergon Energy, so in the utility sector. Um, and I worked in the trade for a few years, digging holes and climbing power poles uh, before I did a bit of traveling around the world, as we all did when we were young. Um, and then in the 90s, I uh, got it together and I did an engineering degree and I got into the renewable energy industry uh, by kind of early 2000s, I'd moved to Alice Springs and I got a job with Bushlight, um, working on off grid solar systems in remote indigenous communities, which was you know, a terrifically rewarding and worthwhile uh, six years of my life, I guess. Uh, we won a bunch of awards for some work that we did out there, both from a technical um, and a community engagement perspective. And while I was in Alice Springs, uh, I had the good fortune to get involved in the Alice Springs Solar City project which is the one that you referred to a minute ago with uh, the visit for Malcolm Turnbull back in the day. Yeah. Um, and we did some really interesting projects there too. You know, we did we did utility-scale solar, a couple of megawatts out there before utility-scale solar was a thing. Um, we did the largest rooftop solar array at the time in Australia before that was a big thing. So we some really interesting projects there. Mm. Um, but then in, I guess, 2012, fast forward a few years, a mate of mine and I saw an opportunity to bring some new technology and some new products into the Australian solar industry. Uh, so we started AC Solar Warehouse. Um, and Ten years on, I, we're still here, we're still going strong and we're still having fun.
0: Good on you. Ten years. Cripes, that's gone quick, mate, hasn't it? It, it sure has. has. Well, from, from the outside. Anyway, I'm sure it's been a long <laughs> road internally, but... Good on you. That's a great pricey. And, and yeah, I've bumped into you over the traps over the last 25 odd years, mate, in, in, in all sorts of different ways. And, uh, you know, I think that, that experience that you've got really comes through every time I have a conversation with you. So, uh, lovely, uh, you know, quarter of a century later to still be having a yarn about how to make a solar business work. Good on you. So, mate, at a, at a, at uh, the Smart Energy Council event recently, we um we sat down on our comfortable couch on the Solar Analytics booth and had a bit of a yarn about uh you know what was going on at the show, how it was going, and and how to maximise the impact at trade shows. And yeah, you know, the reason I got you on here was because, as usual, you piped up with some little nuggets of gold, some some opinions, some fairly firm opinions about how to how to make it work, and and a little bit about some of the science and engineering behind you know your approach to trade shows so why don't we just start right at the top you know are trade shows even worth doing are they worth the expense it's not a cheap exercise you know from out of the gate mate is it worth the effort
1: well it's a really good question mate and i do think i remember i was chastising you for having a lounge on your booth which is (laughs) a big no-no that's um, right. b- because uh, maybe <laughs> cutting ahead of ourselves here, you know, we aim to have a minimum of a 100 and preferably 200 really quality conversations uh, each day on our booth. And uh, yep. if we had a lounge there, uh, we'd probably have about 10. Uh, so, uh, depending on, it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve with with a trade show booth. And when you say, "Is it worth the money?" Well, well, clearly, mate, you can spend anything from five grand to 250 thousand dollars or more. So, um, you know, whether you get a return on that investment really depends on you know, what are you trying to achieve. Um, I'd say for us, they're definitely worth it. Um, but I suspect mm-hmm. there's a lot of companies out there that don't really get a return on their investment, um, for, you know, for the money they invest in those shows.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly something that that we've been discussing over the years and a uh, big focus in the last couple of years, particularly on you know, measuring the return on investment on those shows and um, making sure that you are getting the best possible value. So, I mean, it's, it's a great starting point because there are lots of different things you can try and achieve at a trade show, right? You can You can just focus on building your brand and, you know, being present sort of, you know the the opposite of being noticeable by your absence i guess you can you can focus on existing customers to reward them and try and build deeper relationships and you know maybe have some side events around the edge to to you know show them some hospitality you can use it as a training or a meeting opportunity which Certainly in a lot of uh, international expos, uh, that's a very big focus, and we've done a bit of that in the past. And, of course, you can lead as a lead, uh, use it as a lead generation tool and you know, be really, really laser focused on that. Tell me about how you think about these opportunities at trade shows.
1: Yeah, well, look, that's, that's exactly right, mate. There's a lot of different things you can do with trade shows, and, and I guess if you set out to do all of those things, you'd be setting yourself a very difficult task you know, like all things in business, I think you just have to be clear on on what you're trying to achieve and you work backwards from that. Um, So, I mean, you mentioned brand building and, you know, we've used shows ourselves over the last decade to get our brand out there and and to build brand awareness, if you like. And if that's what you're after, um, then, you know, you should set that as a clear objective. Um, But these days, I guess, um, you know, really for us, it's about meeting people uh, and, Mm -hmm. and talking to people. And, Uh, You know, existing customers, potential new customers, uh, and and those that's the thing that we really focus on in our trade show booth. So I'd say really um, whether it's collecting leads or whether it's training people, the first step, um, we have a kickoff meeting about four months out from any show, and we write Mm -hmm. down on a piece of paper what are we going to achieve at this show. And I think if you do that, then all the rest of the pieces start to fall in place.
0: Four months out. Wow. Good on you. It's a long process isn't it I'm actually working on the next show that we're going to which is two and a bit months out and uh you know it's the, the 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 pace is building now for all the stuff that you've got to do so yeah it is a long process isn't it Tell me let me ask you this one do you do you think trade shows can you can you segregate and can you effectively target differently to try and get for example new leads versus existing customers
1: um, well, you, certainly you can, um, and that comes down to if, if your strategy was to focus on new customers, for instance, then your pre-show marketing would be particularly skewed in that direction, and some of the sort of things that you do on the booth might be targeted specifically at as well. So, um, you know, in our case, it's, you know, it's an equal balance between looking for looking after our customers that we already know and meeting new people, but certainly um, that just comes down again to who you're going to target and then building a strategy around that
0: yeah yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah. yep so let us let, dive into that a little bit because I know you've got a really um a strong focus on managing sales leads quite cleverly on your booth. you never cease to impress me grant and 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 you know over the years you've all, you've always impressed me you're a much cleverer a guy than uh Uh, than I am in so many respects with your engineering hat on you have a really good grasp on the engineering the science behind so many things mate and and it always impresses me and and of course you're transferring that to help your team to understand how to triage your visitors and, and manage your visitors tell me what you've learned over the years and how you apply that to your booth strategy
1: uh, well, look. I guess we, we just put a bit of thought into it, and we actually have training for our staff before we go to a conference, and we make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and it's pretty simple, although there is some science behind this. And you know, there's trade show strategists out there that get paid a lot of money for trying to you know, providing advice on this sort of stuff. Um, look, fundamentally, when a visitor arrives at our booth, we aim to meet them and greet them, uh, work out what they're looking for, and how we can help them as quickly as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. So for us, it's not about having the biggest booth or even the busiest booth, because if you've got people lined up five deep waiting to talk to someone on your booth, that means there's four of them aren't talking to the person that want to talk to. And that's a fail basically. Mm -hmm. So um, it's about um, having all of the people on the booth, understanding that we want to have quality conversations with people. We want to help people out. Um, If we can't help them on the day, then we make sure we get their contact details and we follow it up after the show. Um, So, you know, trade shows are busy, and people go to trade shows, uh, you know, and their time is really valuable. They, they want to do some PD, they want to go and you know, sit into some conference sessions. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they want to,
1: they want to, they're probably there hungover from the night before, because they're up networking late at night, they want to get around to all these booths. So I think you've got to respect people's time, and basically mm-hmm. have your booth set up as so it's efficient. So they don't have to be there for half an hour, just to ask a simple question. We usually have you know, latest, you know, the latest released products on display. And we have people standing around who are knowledgeable and they know about those products. And our aim is for people to be able to come in, have a chat, get their questions answered as quickly and efficiently as possible.
0: I like it and uh, it, 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 tell me what what's your do you do you bring in other people from for example I know you, you're a wholesaler but this applies no matter what sort of whether you're doing a retail expo or whether you're doing a wholesale sh- type show like like you do as wholesalers do you bring in experts from other companies as well to sort of be product experts?
1: Yeah absolutely mate if we've got um, you know if we've got specialist product knowledge uh, that is not within our company but from, from manufacturers or other people there you know we would welcome them onto the booth um, we have you know guidelines for working on our booth so that we're all on the same page we're all singing off the same song sheet um, but certainly uh, you know we work pretty closely with our partners uh, all the all the manufacturers we, we represent are all welcome to put uh, people on the booth and uh, and really it's just about trying to uh, i guess have as many quality conversations and answer as many questions as we can in the time that we have
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the actual booth, and and you know your um your booth is a, is a classic. I love your booth, mate. It, it's uh, you know it's uh, it's got an engineering feel about it. It's got a kind of kind that of got that mechanical pop outness that makes it. You know, booths are hard to put up and hard to pull down, and you know that mechanical ingenuity that's gone into actually the physical construction of your booth which is really good it's based on a container but you've leveraged the upstairs you, you you've leveraged the internal you've leveraged an external you've done some really clever stuff and um you know booths can vary from literally you know a table on and a, and a and a pop-up which is, which is what a pop-up a stand which is what i'll be doing next week in a little regional show uh right through to you know go to the international conferences and they've literally got multi-story function centers with kitchens and bars and meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff and you can you can spend a fortune or you can be very modest how do you choose the right size and design of a booth for for your company and for the show
1: yeah mate well look um the right size is is really comes down i guess to what you're trying to achieve and what budgets you have um, but what I would say is that you really should think about your trade show booth as, uh, you know, an example of your corporate personality, if you like. Um, and I think if you look at it through those eyes, when you walk around uh, the conferences, even here in Australia, um, the booth that, that companies have often, you know, is a representation of the culture within that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some, some booths that you see that are pretty bland and they've got some pretty disinterested people sitting there playing on their phones. Um, and I mean, that to me, when I see that, it tells me a lot about the culture of that business. And there's other booths that use technology and they're what, they're efficient. And as you say, you know, there's engineering principles involved. And that hopefully you know, so it speaks to the, the, the brand personality of that particular business. So it's not all about size, mate. It's about what you do with it. And it's about how you present uh, yourself and your company at these shows.
0: Mm, mm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And it's why I'll argue with you black and blue about our couch. <laughs> because because for us making our customers feel welcome and giving them a chance to uh to take the load off their aging feet and to sit down and just have a quality conversation before we uh, politely push them away is, is a really key part of of what we do and making them feel welcome i guess and uh Having that sort of casual environment um, is part of our brand uh, look and feel, if you like, but uh, notwithstanding that I took a lot of lessons from you, as I always do. And what about that layout, mate? It, it, you know, it has to look good. It has to be functional. Um, you talked about how your team actually analysed customer flows and designed your layout and equipment about around it. Tell, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, well, look, um, you know, there's been a bit of trial and error over the years, of course. You know, we've done... You know, on average, two trade shows a year for for ten years. So that's tw- at least twenty trade shows. So, um, you know, we were actually in the US, um, you know, probably four years ago, and we saw a container booth on display. Um, and we thought, gosh, that's a good idea. It was a bit knocked around, and it had a kind of an earthy feel. It wasn't something that we immediately said we should do ourselves, but. The idea of having a container um, that you could reuse and, and you know, you weren't wasting a lot of products and materials after each show, that really appealed to us. Um, so we, we adopted that idea um, and we've got our meeting room upstairs, which you mentioned before, which, um, you know, increases return on the, the space that you pay for at a conference if you can go two stories without adding too much cost. So that works out really well. Um, and then the layout of the actual booth is something we've found over the years. And, look, fundamentally, the principles are that, you know, your booth should be welcoming, um, should be informative, and it should be efficient. So people should be able to wander in, either immediately talk to somebody or, you know, immediately engage with some uh, interesting or informative information. Um, and they should get what they're looking for quickly so that they don't have to spend in a half an hour of their valuable time at a conference just waiting to speak to someone or waiting to speak to the right person to get some information. So the, the layout is all about traffic flow. Um, and, you know, again, depending on your strategy, sometimes you want literally lines of people coming into your booth. Other times you might just want volumes or, or whatever. So, you know, it, 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 it comes down to uh, understanding what you're trying to achieve and then planning for that and laying your booth out accordingly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about a little bit about it, the angles being uh, important so that you, you were sort of, psychologically getting people to flow through the booth right?
1: Yeah well uh, the, the, the psychology is that uh, squares are boring and triangles are more exciting to the eye um, so anything with an angle on it will attract somebody's attention uh, and I'm, I'm not a graphic designer um, so I don't know all the, the theory behind it but a lot of um, any, any sort of graphic designers understand catching people's eyes often done with with uh, oblique angles or things that you're not expecting. So even though engineers might like circles and squares, it turns out that's not the answer to uh, to this particular issue. So yes, the booth designers often work on angles to try and just, just catch the eye and get people to have a look at something and draw them in so you can have a chat.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's uh, it's something uh, I can relate to because my wife uh, is is a very accomplished venue designer and around our house, Uh, there is never anything jammed in a corner if there was a pile of books i'd square them into the corner she'll put them diagonally every time (laughs) there's bits of and and i I can never understand it. it's a waste of space to me but i have to admit she's exactly right and the visual cues that you get from uh what she does just around our home are miles ahead of what i could achieve um excellent stuff mate we should take a short break and hear a word from our sponsors
2: SolarJuice is Australia's leading solar distributor, providing complete residential and commercial rooftop solar component solutions. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money, like their panel brands, REC, Hyundai, Trina and Longi, their inverters, SMA, Fronius and SunGro, along with the Tesla Powerwall battery. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business is also brought to you by Solar Analytics. From just $40 a year, Solar Analytics can help solar owners save an extra $400 by recommending the ideal energy plan. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au
0: please do support our sponsors who help us keep the wheels turning here at GSB don't forget to jump on and have a like and a share and um, share the show with our friend uh, with your friends uh, we've had a lot of great feedback uh, actually down at this uh, smart energy council conference that was the topic of this show and uh, lots of great people telling us that they enjoyed the show and got some value out of it so um, so let's let's keep going with grant see if we can extract some more value out of him we've learned a lot about how to think think about the science behind making a trade show work, no matter whether it's a wholesale show or a retail show but let's let's step into the future let's look ahead a little bit now if we can grant um, virtual shows are a thing they they sort of bubbled up over the last couple of years for us. Do you think the traditional trade show will become less common in the future and and you know what are the good bits we can take from the digitization of our world? And uh, and and the the concept of digitally reaching and communicating with customers. Are we, you know, we're not going to get to slap each other's backs in, in the in the expo halls.
1: Well, Nigel, I have to say, call me old fashioned, but I'm not a massive fan of the online digital trade shows. Um, I don't think there's any substitute for catching up with people face to face, having a chat, telling a few stories, um, and maybe even having a beer. So. So I don't think that uh, traditional trade shows are uh, in danger of extinction anytime soon. We certainly see it as a core part of, of, uh, you know, just the face-to-face reality of doing business with people and we'd like to maintain that. Um, Having said that, um, there are some things we can learn from, you know, that that sort of COVID experience when we couldn't go face-to-face and there were a few, and I actually attended a few of these digital trade shows. Now, in my experience, most of what happened there could easily have been, you know, Found on someone's website or by picking up the phone and talking to somebody anyway. So I didn't think that they were particularly unique. But one of the things that's really cool, I guess, is this, um, the, you know, the, the sustain, sustainability aspect. Because if you ever go behind one of these trade shows, and I'm not just talking about the, the trade shows that we attend, but any trade show at a major event, you see this horrible um, you know, skips full of material, booths and wasted material and brochures and paper and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just one of the you know the realities of of doing business and going to trade shows, and we really focused on trying to eliminate some of that from our business um, by using a reusable container for our trade shows. We've really cut down on the amount of waste. But we have taken that a step further in recent times, and we've gone completely paperless on our booth. So we don't have any paper uh, brochures or data sheets or anything um, on the booth. Because let's face it, 90% of that stuff ends up in a show bag and in somebody's bin at home within 24 hours or 48 hours. So we, can, we still hand out brochures and data sheets and anything that people want uh, via a PDF download station. Um, so we can still um, provide all the marketing material that people might want, but we do it in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't result in the waste of a lot of paper and resources. So that's certainly one of the things that we've picked up and I think that that's probably, we're going to see more of that going forward.
0: I really like that because, you know, uh, making sure you've got enough brochures and that you've packed them into boxes and you, then you need a stand to put them on and then people take them and then they leave them in their hotel room. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think uh, that's that's a really good outcome out of the last couple of years in terms of the digitization of our lives is that people accept that, well, look, I'll just... I'm not afraid of a QR code anymore. I'll I'll scan that QR code and I know you'll send me everything that I need and I can reach you if I need to 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 get a digital version. And I was I was chatting with a chatting with a retailer at this show actually who said, oh, you know, it was COVID was pretty tough and you know I'm a face to face kind of guy and uh, you know I thought, oh, this is this is not going to go well, but here we are <laughs> two years later. And my business is still chugging along, and I've learned how to do it. And, and you know, we now are a digital company, and we can do a lot of what we used to do face to face digitally. But uh, I'm with you. I think I think those. I think trade shows offer that opportunity, even if it's only once or twice or thrice a year. It's that opportunity to actually make that face to face contact, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. So. Um, like you, I'm sure, uh, I've seen a lot of bad booths. Uh, I've probably been responsible for some of them. And, uh, and I've seen some, according to you, I'm responsible for one at the moment that I need to do some work on, which I like. Uh, uh, seen some bad booths, seen some very cool ones too. What do you think are the essential elements uh, that you're going to need to have on a trade show booth? And again, thinking forward a year or two, you know, where, where are we heading with this?
1: Well, mate, I know you're thinking, you know, physical hardware and that sort of stuff. But when it comes to booth design, uh, there's some principles that are sort of pretty deeply embedded and very successful. So first of all, you know, you need to have a way of attracting people to your booth. And that's not going to change now into the future. So the way in which you achieve that is where you get to have some fun with, you know, innovation. But fundamentally, step one is to attract people to your booth, and you can do that through pre-show marketing, and you can arrange meetings with people. Now, some people run competitions, or they set up particularly interesting displays, all sorts of things. But fundamentally, part of the strategy is how am I going to attract people to the booth, and how am I going to do that in a new and interesting way that keeps people wanting to come and visit us? So that's mm. sort of step one. And then step two is how do I engage with people meaningfully uh, once they're on the booth? Um, And again, I I can't tell you what that will look like, because for different businesses, that'll be different. But fundamentally, what you want to do is you want to have meaningful conversations with people. Um, And you can do that on the booth. And if you choose to do it on the lounge, that's all power to you. Um, You can, (laughs) um, you can have a meeting room where you can sort of uh, have sort of maybe more private, longer conversations. Uh, There's lots of ways. And you can even then take them via social media, you can take those conversations and continue them online if you wish to. So, I think the principles of attracting people to your booth and then engaging with them once they're there are, are, are time and proven. And then it really just comes down to the innovative ways that different businesses uh, can actually implement those those strategies um, to achieve the objectives they set themselves.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me ask you two off-script questions, mate. Uh, number one, do you think... Um like when you go to the the big european shows they're they're very big on scheduled meetings and you and, and there's calendars of meetings that you can have with senior executives and you know it's very very regimented do, do you i've I've always struggled to think i don't know, i don't know if the Australian personality lends itself to that type of thing which my which my international colleagues uh, kind of balk at do, do you think that can work in Australian conferences?
1: Yeah, look, I agree that particularly in Europe, they're very structured and very regimented. And perhaps it's because we're going to Germany for our conferences. That might be part of the answer to why that is. But um, look, I think that um, lots of, you know, in the Australian conferences, people sort of wander in, want to have a chat and wander around. But if you're going to a conference and you know that you want to speak to somebody, there is always a risk that you turn up at lunchtime when everybody else is there and you you either don't see the person you want to talk to or, you, you know, they're three people deep or you finally get to talk to them and it's a five-minute conversation because they're on their way to another meeting. So I think yep. that there's a lesson in here that if you're going to a conference and there's somebody who you want to really talk to, it's well worth making a meeting prior to arriving because there's nothing worse than you know standing in line. And, and I personally haven't got the patience. If I can't speak to somebody in the next three minutes, I'll just keep walking. So, so I think that um, it's a discipline that uh, visitors to trade shows should adopt if they really want to be efficient with their time. But I think it's always going to be the case with the trade shows in Australia that uh visitors will just wander up and you've got to be ready to talk to them when they're when they arrive.
0: A little bit looser. But yeah, I'm with you. I think there's great efficiencies for the people on the booth and for the people at the conference too. So I'm I'm with you. I think maybe we can uh, we can all work together to to uh, evolve that into Australian conferences so that we can all get a little bit more out of it. And the other one uh, that I wanted to ask you, mate, is, is you know, and we've done this in various ways in the past, or I've been involved in booths that have done this, where we we do a lot of uh, uh, take advantage of the marketing opportunities by having film crews there, or by doing live streams, or by you know having uh, live video streams out of the out of the booth, uh, so that you can expand your audience. And, and, and the sort of virtual trade show world was all about that and these these virtual booths and so forth and, you know, connecting with people that way. But, I, I, I mean, I can understand shooting video. I can under shoot, understand building content. But I, I, I haven't seen anyone use that sort of live feed type stuff hugely successfully. But have you?
1: Not really. No, look, I think um, it's about being present. Um, if somebody comes to visit you at a booth, you've spent a lot of money to be there. They've spent a lot of time and money to be there. You need to be present, and you need to have you know the time and the space to have a good conversation. And if you've got film crews and you're trying to do a live swap to a social media feed or something, um, I think you can you know you can lose the the outcomes that you're trying to achieve originally at the at the beginning. So so I'm no. I'm, I'm all in favour of you know taking some photos and getting some some good video content for marketing but I really think you have to be present uh, everybody on the whole mm-hmm. booth needs to be present uh, mm-hmm. because you know you've you've you're only there for eight hours a day and you have spent a ton of money to be there so if you if you're aloof or if you're too busy off trying to do something else then you really you've, you've wasted your time
0: Mm, mm, keep it simple mm. i like it i like it uh mate we are just about out of time um but the last question before we wrap it up that i i like to get from everyone um or an answer from everyone last year was was uh really really strong how do you think this year's panning out mate uh do you think we can uh we can beat last year's 3.2 gigawatts in the in the small scale space or not and if so or not why
1: Well, um, I don't think we're going to be setting any records this year. Mm. Um, Look, solar is a great business to be in um, and people that sell good products and offer good service will continue to thrive. Um, And our business, you know, we're having a great year and and I'm really happy with where we are. But uh, unless the second half of this year uh, is spectacular, I don't think we're going to be setting any new records.
0: Mm, mm. and and um you know we we chatted offline uh off air a little bit about this but um yeah there's all sorts of we've had natural disasters we've had floods it's been ages since a fire but we're probably overdue for a bushfire you know i mean it's just been relentless uh and and of course we've got an election um what what's the what's the vibe that you've got do you think we're going to turn the corner in the second half
1: yeah, look, I'm still quite positive, mate. I'm still quite optimistic. Um, look, in business, what you want is you just want clear wind, right? You just want nothing. Right. You don't necessarily need everything stacked in your favour, but you just want, uh, you know, you just don't want a perfect storm of natural disasters, basically, which is what we've had in recent times. So I think yep. that you know, I'm looking forward. I think we will get some clear wind um, towards the second half of this year. And uh, there's no reason why we won't see things pick up again. Um, But, yeah, look, business doesn't always go up in a straight line. Um, And so there's always going to be dips and troughs and you have to structure your business so that you can do well in the great times and you can do well when it's not going so well as well. So I think there's a bit of a test for businesses this year. Um, But I am optimistic and I think we're still in the right business long term. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Good on you, mate. Well, you know, it's it's a quarter of a century that you and I have been Shooting the shit. And you're still there, mate, so all power to you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, but sadly we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Nigel. Great to chat. Good on you, mate. Well, friends, that's a wrap. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. I hope you picked up some tips on how to build a great solar business, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
2: Great Solar Business was brought to you by SolarJuice, Australia's leading solar distributor. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.